This morning will be from Luke, the ninth chapter, verses 18 through 22. Luke 9, 18 through 22. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And the scripture says, And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah. Another said that one of the old prophets that has risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Thank you, Eric. It's great to see everyone today. We talked a little bit last week about being alone and what that really means and uh, what it's like to be alone. And maybe sometimes you've been alone and where there's nobody around, but please don't think of that as an unuseful time. There are things that we need to accomplish during that time. We talked about this last week. There's a time when the devil comes. And so he comes to us and he's going to tempt us. And that's the time to overcome him. That's not a time to be afraid of, but a time to realize that the battle's there and it's about us. There's a time where you need to learn to like yourself. Uh, if you can't stand yourself, how are you going to put yourself around everybody else? I mean, sometimes being alone might point out some things that says, you know what, I need to do better. And I need to learn to like myself and who I am and who I need to be. Then there's a time to learn to be with God, a time to be alone with him when it's kind of like the mountaintop experience where you're able to see how Jesus was at that mountaintop and talking about his ministry and talking about all the things that would go on. And and I can imagine Jesus spending a night in prayer with everything that he had to do. And we kind of focus on ourselves a lot. And so we need to spend some time in God with prayer and just be able to talk to him when we're alone. And so this idea of praying alone, sometimes it's the mountaintop. Sometimes it's just being with God. It's Elijah in the cave. It's Adam in the garden. But all of these are important alone times. And then there's a really strange phrase in Scripture, which uh, we're going to explore today and, and just look at a little bit in the passage that's been... Yeah, I've got no monitors. I can't see what I'm doing here. Uh, in the passage that uh, we're looking at today, it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. Now, does that strike you as being odd? That he's alone and people are with him. Doesn't that defy our definition of what alone even means? It seems like if the disciples are with him, then he's not alone. But that's not what it says. He was praying alone and there were other people with him. And so it must be a quality of being alone. So have you ever felt alone in a crowd? Like, there's all kinds of people here, but none I can talk to. None that I connect with. And so I essentially feel like I'm alone. I'm, I'm not even connecting with anyone. Or maybe people are not connecting with you. 
Maybe they're texting. Have you ever sat next to somebody who's texting? And you feel like you're alone, don't you? Because they're carrying on conversation with somebody else. I mean, we're here. We're in proximity of each other. But, you know, we are not not connecting here at all. Or maybe it's when drivers are texting, you realize that, uh-oh, they're really not paying attention. The word here for alone does not mean without any people around. The word is monos. The word monos means, it can mean alone. It can also mean the only one. You are unique. You're the only one like you. You're in a class by yourself. And so that's what he's kind of referring to. It's a focus on being the only person there. And so when Jesus was praying alone, in other words, Jesus is the only one praying. And he's focused on God and he's not paying attention to anybody else in the room. And so when he's praying alone, other people were with him And so that's the passage that it's talking about in this alone time that we may be able to recognize as we are praying and other people are in the room. It may be times when we're just by ourselves. But I think there's a quality here that he talks about with Jesus, especially in prayer, that he's focused so much on God that we're the ones who's praying. We're the only ones. And there's other people, but it's just us. We are alone in the middle of others. Some of the other passages talks about worshiping God and serving him only. That was in the temptation. That, it doesn't mean serving him when you're alone. It means serving him as if he's the only God and he is unique and you're going to just serve him. Or you are the only one or the only God. It's not meaning you're an alone God. You're a unique God. You are the one God. And then John 3.16, God sent his only son, not meaning his alone son, but that's what this same word is, but his only unique Son, the one of a kind that is there. So why is this important? Well, I think there are times when we are alone by ourselves, and I think there are times when we are alone inside ourselves. Maybe that's the best way to put it. And we stand on our own faith and we are the one praying or we are the one doing. And there are times when we need to know we have that kind of strength. When there are challenges and we are the only one who's there, when we need to stand up for Jesus and we're going to stand up for him, whether there's anybody else in the crowd or not. But we know within ourselves that we stand for him and we are one of those people who is going to be standing for Jesus as alone but maybe with a bunch of others that that they would all be there. It's kind of like communion time. We're here together because that's where communion starts is all of us together. And yet we realize we are alone. And we're focused on God and we're thinking about God. And there could be a bunch of other people in the room. There are a bunch of other people in the room. But during that communion time, you are focused on God and on who God is and on exactly what God is trying to say to us. The crowd may look like this. Now, the guy that we just saw is sitting way back over there. He's sitting right over here. Can you see where he is? 
No, you can't see where he is, but he was alone in the crowd because he is so focused on God that he is having this communion with God. And he has the courage to be there in that place. A couple other places where this is emphasized in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And this ends up with Jesus leading into the model prayer. And so Jesus is praying, and, well, it wasn't that his disciples had never prayed before. Certainly they had said a prayer before. You guys have all said a prayer before, right? But if you listen to Jesus... You might realize, I'm not sure I've ever said a prayer before because of the way that he prays. There's something different about the quality of it. And so they say, Lord, teach us to pray because he had been praying alone again. They can hear him, but wow, that sounds a lot different than my prayer. And I think sometimes we see people who are in stressful situations who are like that. Maybe a mom praying for others in your brokenness is a selfless act of love. Because the position they pray from and the people they pray about and the love that they have is so overwhelming. It is praying from a place like you're alone. It's a prayer that's unique in his unique in his way of talking to God. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 10, another one of these places, it says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to those outside everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And so, once again, Jesus was alone with some others and the twelve. Okay, how is he alone? Well, his attention is maybe not on everybody else. Or not on them. And so, it's like he's alone. And so... Now he can talk to them. Do we know what it means to be alone with someone? Alone is when we can ask questions. Alone is when you have their full attention. It's like when you come to church and there's all these people around and you really can't talk to a person here. Because there's all these other people in the crowd and they're all talking at the same time. And you want to ask something that's more personal. You want to say something to them that's, that's, you know, more about your feelings and more about your caring for them. And you realize we're not alone. But in the time when you're alone, you could say something that would be helpful to them and something that might encourage them. But to shout it out in the middle of the crowd doesn't seem to work. And so they were alone with Jesus or when he was alone Because there are all these other people around constantly wanting teaching or healing. So when he's alone, he's describing a quality of time to be alone with someone. And Jesus describes them as part of a special group. 
He says, you guys are the ones who understand. You guys are unique. You're alone in that, that you would understand about the, ki- the kingdom of God and what that kingdom is all about. Other people just saw a nice story. We practice this a lot. There are times when we're alone with our family, right? Can you be alone in this situation? And yet the park is full. Well, you're not paying attention to anybody else. And they're not coming over to eat your lunch. It's just you and the people that you're with and everybody enjoys the park and the family is alone. Wait a minute. They can't be alone together. Well, sure, they can be alone together. And so that's what he's describing with this, is that there are times when we are alone together, when we stand together as a family. That's who we are. You ever been alone here trying to get to Disneyland? There's a lot of people. How many of them are you connected with? None. They don't care about you. They don't want to know how you feel. They don't care that the pressure is on, that you're in front of them is the only thing that matters. Get out of my way. And so there is zero communication going on. You could be alone in the middle of this crowd. And you've probably been there before, right? So you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a huge crowd and you're all packed into this tight space. And you don't feel a special love for any of them. Because they're in your space and they're there. And it's especially true in places like that. It's true everywhere. It's true when we're in a city. And so there's this quality of being with yourself or being within yourself and realizing the place where you have. And there's this quality of being with other people that you may not have with everyone else. Galatians chapter 6 He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Same word. Each person will boast in himself alone. And yet, how many things do you really do alone? If you're bearing somebody else's burden, chances are you've talked to them. You're not alone, right? Either that or you don't have anybody else doing yours. He says, we're all going to carry our own load. Well, then how are we supposed to bear other people's burdens? And then we all have to carry our own and theirs too. What does he mean by this? Well, I think he's describing this quality that we're talking about here. This relationship with other people, this responsibility that we understand about who we are and what he's given to us. And that we are responsible for certain things. And we might be alone in that responsibility. That we're the one that's been given it. And we have that place. It doesn't come from anybody else. If you're the dad in the family, that's a special place. Nobody else gets that. You're the dad in the family. 
Now, you may choose to act like you're the dad in the family, or you may choose not to act like you're, but it's still your place. Nobody else gets it. And you're going to be very upset if anybody tries to get it. Or if you're the mom in the family, you have a place there. You have a responsibility there. You, have, you are unique. You are alone in that. And that's what he's trying to describe about Christians. Is that that's your spot. That's your place. And so this relationship with people, this bearing burdens, this fulfilling the law of Christ is all responsibility that we have. And then he talks about testing your work. Okay. Most of the time we work with other people. But he says he's able to sort this out so that he knows the part that you did. We get credit for what we do. And we understand the part that we did and we helped. We were there. We took on some responsibility for this. And so we're judged in our work that we have done. And somehow he's able to sort it all out and understand what ours is. So this being alone doesn't mean other people aren't around. But we're the one to take care of it. I saw this. It's your road. It's yours alone. Others may walk it with you, but no one can walk it for you. And there are some things that are just unique about your life that you need to take responsibility for. And this is especially true in Christianity. As we see, we have a place as a church that is a body that is united together. And yet all of us have a place have something that we take care of, have something that we do, have something that we are responsible for. And we are here alone together. Does that make any sense at all? It's kind of hard to describe, isn't it? Elders, we expect them to do their job, right? Nobody else is going to jump in and do that for them. I mean, we want them to do that job, and so they are unique in that. It's not a democratic process. Let's all just vote. Hopefully not. Let's have the elders be in charge of that. If we had a king, the king would be in charge. Nobody gets to... I mean, he is the only one, and Christ is our king. And so God holds us personal responsible for sometimes. Sometimes when he's given us work to do, sometimes when he's gifted us with something that is an ability or an opportunity for us to do. And so we are unique in that. The stronger the church, it will be because these people have learned how to develop being alone with others. And you will have more of those people who take their responsibility and understand this one is mine. This is what I do. This is how I am alone with others. It is one of the most powerful things. And if everyone sees that and understands and knows this, yes, we're all together. But each one of us also has this thing of being alone together. Jesus called 12. He expected the 12. And he sent them out. They were the twelve. They had things that they were supposed to learn. And so he singles them out. Paul and Barnabas were sent out. They were the two that the Holy Spirit sent out. Now they took John Mark with them, who kind of gave up after day two. And they'd just gotten to the new place. And Paul's all upset that he went back. But 
Holy Spirit hadn't sent John Mark. Sent Paul and Barnabas. And so they had that place alone, if that makes sense. And there are some times when God has gifted us and gifted us with responsibility. One more about this. From John 12, in verse 23, it says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so the grain of wheat remains alone. Is it lonely? It has no friends? Where are all the other wheat grains? No, it just remains alone in the fact that it has no purpose. It is not fulfilling anything of what it was intended to do. And so this is a different definition or a different way of looking at it. It loses itself for its cause. It gives its life for something else. If it dies, it is the nature of the seed to produce more more seed, more fruit, more. But if it remains alone, it remains unfulfilled. And if it dies, what, more seeds gather around it? No. Is there a seed funeral and more people gather? No, not at all. It's not that it isn't alone, it's that it is fulfilled. It has brought purpose. And the servant of God is there because we stand alone with others. But we have a place where we serve. We have a certain thing that we do. We follow God. We have our commitment. We have our decision. And hopefully this makes sense and we realize that there are things that God has given us to do and that there are places where you realize, whether they're assigned or not assigned, that you have, that you do here. And whether it's a certain place of being the deacon or being in charge of something or being over something or just the fact that you sit in that same pew every single week and there are people around you and you need to know them. And you need to know how they're doing and you need to know when something's wrong and you need to pray for them. And it's your place because God's given you that place. And God has made us for that. And that there are some things that we have that we recognize that we do alone, together. And I think that's how it fits. So here's where we are in all of this. Sorry if this is confusing, but it's such an odd concept. We are alone in prayer when we pray to God because it's just us and Him. Pray like that. Don't pray like the tag on the end of somebody else's, you know. Okay, we're all signed in this prayer, right? No, it's yours. You pray. It's not like God wanted everybody to get together and make a prayer. It's, he wants all of us to pray about something. Prayer is not by committee. 
prayers each one of us and what we do alone. Even if others are around praying. It's our prayer. It's that prayer within us. Second thing is we are alone in doing some things. Even with other people. Because we have our work. We're doing it. It's part of us. We are, as Romans puts it, individually members of one another. So we, though many, are the body of Christ and such a contradiction. Individually, members of one another. Where if we're individual, then we're by ourselves. We're alone. Yeah. It's a quality he's trying to describe. We are all individuals. We have all been given place and we are members of each other. And it's the thing that makes the church stronger than anything else is when we can realize this concept. That we are responsible for some things is number three. We raise our children. The village does not raise your children. Sorry, if you're going to let the village raise your children, you're going to have to put up with some terrible kids. Because the village does not do a very good job. You raise your children. Sometimes people are there to help, but it is not the responsibility of everybody else. It is yours. And you're going to be the one who has to live with them. So that's just the warning. When you're the spouse, you're the spouse, not anybody else. You can't expect everybody else to fill in. It's you. It's yours. It's your place. When we're a Christian, we need to act like one. It's what we do. We find our fulfillment, our meaning in Christ is number four. We find it there alone. We are individually of one another. And there is a fruit that we need to produce. And there is something that comes out in our life. That we live for God. And what is produced is this love and truth and acceptance and care and concern and righteousness and holiness and it is all the light of God that's shining in our life. And so even if you feel like you're alone or you're thinking about that there are things that I'm responsible for that are just me, true. But it doesn't mean there's not a lot of others of us pulling for you to accomplish those things, to do those things, for that to be something that is extremely, extremely important. We are one body in Christ. We are one group together. You have some things that you are alone with God. Your prayer is alone with God. Can you stand alone Because the more people we have who can stand for Christ alone, the stronger we are as a group. It's not just everybody saying, I'll help, but I don't want to do it. That's never going to be a good church. It's that I have some things I stand for because Jesus has called me to those things. Now, if you're able to realize all this, that's great. Boy, if you need some help this morning, or if you feel like you're by yourself, you're not. You may be alone, but we're alone together. And so I want you to be able to realize that. And if you need some prayers, come while we stand and sing.